0: Um, as promised uh, a number of weeks ago, um, I did have in my mind for quite some time to bring to people's attention a bit about the Bible, i.e., the books of the Bible and so on and so forth. We can't go through every single book, but we're going to give people an outline of the books of the Bible this morning. And to help me go through that, I'm delighted to welcome into the studio Mike Cullity from truly.
1: Good morning to you Mike, how are you? Good morning John, how are you? Good. I'm good, oh, thanks, thank I'm looking forward to the day John and to this particular uh, morning's work. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, the, 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 how
0: myself and Mike got in contact was um, a few of us visited the, the Dominican Biblical Institute some time back and um, told them what we wanted. They got they in touch with Mike Colity, so Mike said this morning, just a little bit of a, your own little um, thing on the Bible Mike, uh, you've you, you, mm-hmm. been familiar with it for some time and
1: Yes, John. Uh, I, I, I've been reading the Bible since primary school. To be honest with you, we had a okay. teacher there, and there was a lovely book he had—a little small blue book. I'll never forget it on the miracles of Jesus, and uh, it always fascinated me. This person, Jesus, and who he was, and what he was doing, and so on. And uh, after primary school, I went to uh, Saint Brendan's Seminary in Killarney, and. Again, there was plenty of opportunity there to uh, be engaged in religious uh, celebrations and uh-huh. also in the readings of Scripture. So in, for, I suppose you could say I'm reading the Bible for over 40 years, John, and I've, I've studied it and I've, I partook in courses about it and all that. So I love it. I love the Word of God and it's alive and it's, it speaks to my heart and I hope it will speak to the listeners as well. Beautiful. Mike, thanks again for joining me this morning.
0: So, Mike, um, we, we decided uh, early on to, to split the uh, this recordings uh, into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, Mike, away you go. Mm-hmm. Lead us
1: into the Word yeah. of God. Well, we, we have a lot to cover here, John, to be fair. And uh, I suppose just to make the point at the outset that uh, the Bible is one unified story mm-hmm. uh, of God's revelation and God's relationship with creation and humanity. And generally speaking, what we have is that relationship as through a specific group of people uh, known as the Israelites or the people Israel. Uh, the Old Testament itself is often referred to as the Hebrew Scriptures, and it contains 39 books. The New Testament uh, is, uh, has 27 books. And uh, I suppose the link between the two, uh, we have to say, is J- Jesus Christ, you know, um, the Word made flesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Old Testament points forward to Christ and the New Testament looks back on the ministry of Christ and how he has fulfilled the Old Testament, if you like. Now, in the Old Testament 39 books, five of the books, the the beginning five books, are known as the Pentateuch and they deal with law. Then we have what we call 12 historical books uh, which trace the history of Israel in the Promised Land. And we have within that section also, we have five poetic books, which would be the Psalms and... Uh, Proverbs and Job and those type Mm -hmm. of books and you have 17 books that are dealing with prophecy and uh, of those you have um, what are known as the former and the latter prophets, I'll talk about that later the New Testament as we know we'll be more familiar with and we have four biographical gospels telling the story of Jesus Christ we have one historical book, the book of Acts which traces the development of the church and the descent of the Holy Spirit and then, if you like, the epistles, which are essentially 21 doctrinal books. The final book, the book of Revelation, would be classified as a prophetic book. Mm-hmm. So to begin then, John, the, the, the first five books of the Bible are concerned with law. Uh, in, in, um, the books together are called the Pentateuch, and the books in question are the book of Genesis, the book of Exodus, the book of Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Leviticus. Now, Genesis, we all know, would be the very, it's the begin- it's the book of beginnings, generally, mm-hmm. uh, would be the way to refer to it. And there we meet, uh, you know, well, we, we get an account of the creation of the universe. Uh, the Sabbath day is mentioned for the first time. Mm-hmm. We have people like Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden, Cain and Abel, Noah and the Flood, and the Tower of Babel. mm but having gone through that then, uh, the the story of relationship between God and uh, and creation is continued in Genesis through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are the ancestors of the people of Israel, and they're often referred to as the patriarchs. Now, God makes a covenant with Abraham, continues it through his son Isaac, and then through Jacob, and for the rest of the Bible, through the people Israel. Um, when when Genesis closes uh, the family of Jacob uh, and Abraham uh, are actually in Egypt and uh, because of famine and Joseph Jacob's son is second in command to Pharaoh now over time then the book of Exodus is the second book and that that over time uh, the people of Israel become slaves of Pharaoh Mm -hmm. and uh, and they cry out to the Lord for deliverance and uh Here we read about the Passover meal, the Passover lamb, and uh God's deliverance of the people from captivity and from bondage that's often a picture of our own redemption you know from from the slavery or bondage of sin as as Paul talks about it um so he brings them out of Egypt and to uh to Mount Sinai, and it's there that the Ten Commandments and uh, oh, yeah. okay. are received mm-hmm. by Moses. Mm-hmm. And of course, we also have the incident with the golden calf, you know, which, which where, where they set up their own god. Their own god, yeah. Yeah, to, to, you know, which is, it's, it's just amazing to sometimes to read about these things, you know, the reality of human beings, you know, and the idols that we can uh, bring into our own life. Yeah. You know, we're not careful. Mm. Um, the, I suppose one of the significant parts of uh, their journey from Mount Sinai is the erection of the Desert Tabernacle. And the glory of the Lord abides in the tabernacle and they move by day and by night, depending on whether the cloud or the pillar of fire moves with them. Uh, A lot of the law is interpreted then in the next three books of Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Uh, And the book of Numbers is so called because uh, during the book, there's two censuses. If that's the right word, are taken mm. of uh, of the people of Israel mm. uh, everyone says it's the most boring book to read because it is because it is one name begot this and begot that after okay, yeah, another yeah, yeah. and um, but uh, it, there, there's one in, uh, interesting incident in it uh, which is the bronze serpent uh, which when Moses holds up the bronze serpent uh, and the people look on it uh-huh. uh, they are healed of the stings which were which was bringing about uh, yeah. their death, mm-hmm. and actually Jesus refers to it uh, when uh, he's talking to it with Nicodemus, and he said, "Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be mm-hmm. lifted up, that whoever mm-hmm. believes in him should have eternal life." the The last book there in in the Pentateuch is the book of Deuter- Deuteronomy, and it's written like as, as a farewell from Moses, and uh, at this time now. The people of Israel are on the brink of the Promised Land, uh, and they're camped on the
0: River Jordan. So really, there's a lot that happened there within those five books. We had creation, and then we had Abraham being called, um, and then his son Isaac. Remember that story that we all heard about the Lord asking Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, isn't that right? right. Yeah. And then from there, and then they end up with with, with, um, with Joseph, ended up into Israel, Egypt. In Egypt. Yeah. And then there was a famine, and then, and then all the Israels went there. And yeah. then they were there for so many years and came back. And so there's so much in. But the Lord was there all the time, isn't yeah. that the story?
1: Yeah, the story is. The, the, the whole story of the Bible is <laughs> the relationship between God and humankind. Okay. You know, and, and that Conversation and that relationship continues with us today mm. it's, it makes no, it 's the same god so after after going through for forty
0: years uh, they end up at the at the edge of the promised land
1: yes okay now the, the next section of the Bible uh, is known as the historical section, if you like, sometimes it 's referred to as the writings, and it contains the books of um, Joshua judges, first and second Samuel, first and second kings, first and second chronicles the book of Esther, Daniel, Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, the historical book, books, now these books uh, convey the history of Israel from the death of Moses, okay. which I've just spoken about, mm-hmm. to the eventual fall of the nation uh, in 587 BC when, uh, when, when they were exiled to Babylon. Mm-hmm. And then it traces the return from the Babylonian captivity and the rebuilding of the temple and the walls in Jerusalem. Now, the first two books there are Joshua and Judges, and they relate how the Israelites came into the promised land and conquered it from the people that were there at the time, the Canaanites, as we would call them. Mm -hmm. The land was then divided between the 12 tribes of Israel, and they all bore the names of Jacob's 12 sons. He, uh, from a human point of view, problems began to arise when they began to worship the deities of the people around them, having already uh, covenanted themselves through Moses to uh, God. Uh, this is essentially was um, an apostasy or mm-hmm. idolatry, if you like. And uh, what God does is appoints judges to rule and save the people from their enemies all around. And I suppose Samson is the most famous of the judges. And uh, he was a Nazarite, which means a person dedicated to God. Uh, but, but one of the vows that they took was never to cut their hair. Mm-hmm. And as you know the story, uh, his strength was in his hair. Mm-hmm. And once uh, once once he, he once Delilah got that out of him, they took care of his hair and weakened him and then put him in prison and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But eventually the hair did grow back and he got strong again and... Uh, you know, he well in his death he brought down many with him. We heard that story, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, the books of Samuel and Kings and Chronicles relate the the rising of the monarchy uh, in Israel, um, from the movement, if you like, from the tribal community of twelve tribes to uh, being unified under a monarch. And Saul was the first, and uh, King David then was the most successful. And I suppose that was the peak of Israelite uh, of the Israelite kingdom under David. And um, after David, he was succeeded by Solomon, and uh, Solomon did a lot of a lot of good things, but he also did a lot of bad things. And after him, the kingdom was divided into in two, and ten tribes broke away to the north, and then two in the south. So you had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And during that time, uh, Elijah and Elisha would have been two great prophets in the Northern Kingdom. Oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. But eventually then, the Northern Kingdom fell to uh, to Assyria. Uh, and uh, in 722, Samaria, which was the capital of the Northern Kingdom, fell to uh, the Assyrian Empire. And many of them were taken into uh, captivity. And sometimes we hear speaking of the last 10 tribes of Israel. Oh, yeah. It goes mm. back to that time. Uh Afterwards, you know, about 200 years after that, then we have the fall of the southern kingdom and the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem by the Babylonians. And uh, again, the, the people are taken into exile. So the following book or the book, these books, then Esther and Daniel and Ezra and Maya, they actually look at kind of how the people come back and the restoration of the people. You know, you'd be familiar with Daniel now, John. You know, with the line, the story of Daniel in the Lions. Yeah, and, um, I remember that, yeah. And and all that type of thing, you know. And uh, there are, there are great stories there, but but essentially, it's it's about uh, you know how God was still with the people even in in exile, and the hope of a return was always there. So the other part of the writings outside of the history are known as the poetical and wisdom books. And these books would be Job and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, and the Song of Solomon. Uh, Job, you know, would be very famous. And Job is an investigation of of God's justice and of the problem of suffering through the trials and tribulations of Job. You know, he was a very wealthy man. If you like, his fate was tested. Things were Mm. taken from him, his Mm. family, his wealth, everything. And he had the most horrific boils on his body. And it was in terrible pain. And uh, three comforters come along to, to yeah, say, yeah. come here. Yeah. This is why this is happening to you. You have done something wrong, mm. essentially. Job refuses to believe this and believes that God loves him and that God is, uh, is is still going to bring him through all of that. So there's great faith even in the suffering. But also what emerges is that God is in the suffering with him. And mm. that becomes clear by the end of the book. And uh, he's restored to life, you know. I think that's a wonderful
0: book. I, I, I'd i certainly recommend for people, if they had a chance at all, to have a look at that book. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me the way that guy had. I know people don't use it sometimes, but some of us use the name, uh, in other words, The, the Patience of Job, yeah. you know. Um, the, the way that that guy was able to, to stay with his God all the time. But I love the way you finish off that. But God was in. His
1: suffering. Yeah. absolutely. the story of our life. It is, yeah, yeah. God okay. is with us all of the time. We you know, mm. it's in our own heads a lot of the time that God is separated from us. Mm. But mm. God, is, God is in us and with us. So I suppose the Psalms then are well known, you know, and they are songs and poems and hymns. And uh, most of them, nearly half of them are written by King David. But uh, overall, they express like the human longing for God and, you know, provide us with psalms and songs to this day by which we can worship God, by which we can relate to God. Uh, We can very often, the words actually speak what we are feeling sometimes, I think, as we read them. Obviously, like, uh, I suppose one of the most famous is Psalm 23, Mm, for obvious reasons, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, you know, and he leads me beside the still waters and restores my soul. It's so beautiful. And uh, again, like, uh, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil, for you are with me, even there, you know, all through our life. And even there, as we pass into the next life, you are with me. It's a beautiful psalm. So um, the book of Proverbs then uh, takes us into, you know, wise sayings and proverbs and instructions about behavior in life. And if you like, it's part of the search for wisdom that are in these books. And um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We read many times in these books, and that fear refers to a reverence for the Lord, not being afraid of the Lord, but having a reverence for God. And... um, Ecclesiastes, and yeah, the, 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 the other book in that section—that's uh, an investigation into life as well. And some of the things we'd know well from that book um, would be "vanity of vanities, yeah. all is vanity," you know. And uh, then the one there, there, "to everything there is a time and season under heaven." You love, you that yeah, love that one. Yeah, it's beautiful. Love that one. So th- that's an investigation of life by mm-hmm. by Solomon, you mm-hmm. know. And and uh, he, it's it's excellent, you know. And the other the other great saying we get out of it is "Eat, drink, and be merry." <laughs> oh yeah, it uh, all so, come down to our own life. Yeah, yeah. okay. So uh, the Song of Solomon then is is uh, essentially um, a dialogue between a man and a woman, and it expresses the love that's between both. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's uh, it's it's uh, seen as an example of the love of Christ for the church. Uh, the book of Ruth, then, is a story of love and God's provision in life, you know, for Ruth and Naomi. And there's a very famous uh, P- Naomi, sorry, Ruth is, com- no, I beg your pardon, Naomi is coming back to Jerusalem mm-hmm. after losing her husband and children. And Ruth, her daughter-in-law, wants to come with her. And uh, Naomi kind of objects to that and says, go back to your own people. But yeah. she says, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Now, as you know, John, that's often read at weddings. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, when, when a woman, a man and a woman are, they're pledging their life to one another. And it's, and it's from this book we get that. So that's the history and the writings, John. mm mm-hmm. And uh, the, the last section in the Hebrew Bible is the the prophets. Now, I referred earlier on there to Elijah and Elisha. Uh, Samuel would be another one. They're known as the former prophets. Mm-hmm. The latter prophets are divided into two uh, The major prophets and the minor Now the major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel And I suppose they'll be well known And then you have 12 minor prophets And uh, they were named uh, Hosea, Amos, Jonah um, And Joel, Micah, Obadiah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah and Malachi uh you'd hear about them from time to time in different mm. readings, so mm. you know, in the church, but uh, just uh, mm. so just a little bit about the major prophets, John. Um Isaiah essentially is is a book about salvation and the salvation that will be provided by God uh in the promised Messiah for both God and the Gentile for, sorry, for both Israel and the Gentile nations. Mm-hmm. And um You know, we'd be very familiar with some lines there, especially around Christmas time. Behold, the Virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Mm. And Mm -hmm. the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. But then we see that salvation is is through the cross. And um, chapter 53 of Isaiah, John is well known for his depiction of the suffering servant, uh, which finds its fulfillment in the death of Christ in the Gospels. These words, I'm sure, would be very familiar to most of us. Uh, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So it's a book about salvation provided by God through the Messiah. Jeremiah, he's uh, warning of God's judgment and warns about... um, Exile, future exile to Babylon and to the destruction of Jerusalem, which which all comes to pass in time. But he is the only prophet in the Old Testament to actually write about a new covenant that God would make with Israel and with us. And that's a covenant of forgiveness and of spirit. Uh, He says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Now, when Jesus says in the New Testament, "This is the new covenant in my blood," yeah, this is exactly the covenant that He's referring to, because that covenant is in Christ.
0: Lovely, encouraging words and thoughts, isn't it?
1: Absolutely fabulous. Uh, I mean, forgiveness, John, is one of the greatest gifts that we can bestow on anybody and have bestowed on us. That's I think. G- yeah. And that is a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I know you love those lines from Jeremiah, uh, chapter 29, verse 11, John. I alone know the plans I have for you. Plans for your prosperity, not disaster. Plans to
0: bring about the future you hope for. Then you'll call me. You'll come and pray to me and I will answer you. You will seek me and you will find me. Because you will seek me with all your heart.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. And John, that's the beautiful thing about the word of God. When, when when you seek God with all your heart, this word actually speaks to you. Mm, and a, God will answer because God says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's a living word. Absolutely. Mm. So the last major prophet is Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is actually in, in the captivity in Babylon. And... Um, he, 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 if you like, is encouraging the captives, but he's also uh, pointing forward to uh, the restoration of Israel uh, and in particular in the future messianic kingdom. I suppose the, the most noted uh, vision of Ezekiel is, is the valley of the dry bones. And in the vision, uh, Ezekiel is told by the Lord to breathe into them. Mm-hmm. And the bones uh, actually represent the whole house of Israel and God promises to restore them and to put my spirit in you, and you shall live. Now, the minor prophets, um, they are... uh, Essentially, they are always looking at Israel's unfaithfulness to the covenants, and they're always warning about the future judgments of God. They generally condemn the injustices in their own society by both the wealthy and the religious and the leaders of the community. And there are repeated calls for repentance, for renewal and for reconciliation between God and Israel. There is much talk of the day of the Lord, and uh, that's generally conceived as a day of judgment on the mm-hmm. sin of Israel and of the nations. But there's also a promise of blessing on all those who repent and return to God. You know that thing about repentance, John, uh, you often hear it said, uh, like I, I heard a lovely description about it one time, uh, to, to stop walking away from me and turn around and come back to me. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. And that's the idea of turning back to God. Now, um, I, I'm not going to go through them all, but just three okay. that would be well known there, John, would be Jonah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jonah uh, goes to the town of Nineveh, uh, which today in Iraq would be near the town of Mosul. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear so much about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the people are convert there and they repent and uh, they're saved from destruction. Interestingly, Jesus refers to Jonah in the Gospels in reference to his own death and resurrection, the, you know, the three days in mm-hmm. the belly of the great yeah, fish. That's, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Micah it would be well known for his prophecy concerning Bethlehem as the birthplace of Jesus. Uh, in in the future and uh, he has he has one absolutely beautiful line John that's well known and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God
0: lovely lovely lovely
1: Mm. absolutely Mm. fabulous a great way to live your life John Mm. the Old Testament then closes uh, with the book of Malachi the prophet Malachi and uh in his prophecy uh we read about John the future John the Baptist behold i will send my messenger and mm-hmm. also the ministry of jesus christ and the old testament closes there and so we're now looking forward to uh, the arrival of jesus christ on earth you know
0: mike thank you so much for sharing that, that that wonderful story with us i know there's a lot in that and we did agree at some stage that we're going to take individual books at a later stage. But we just wanted to give people just an appreciation of this particular stage. So thanks a lot, Mike, for, for sharing um, the Old Testament uh, books with us. And uh, just invite our listeners to join us again in Part 3, where Mike will share with us um, the New Testament readings. So join us again in Part 3. So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space, Home West Limit 102. My name is John Kelly. Continuing on with our talks on the Bible this morning, um, Mike Collett is still here with me and Mike is now going to share with us um, about the books of the New Testament. Thanks, Mike.
1: Thank you, John. Well, um, I suppose we're more familiar with the New Testament than we would be with the Old and uh, generally speaking, we what we see is we have four Gospels mm-hmm. which relate the ministry of Jesus throughout Galilee in the north and Judea in the south. There's one what we might term as a historical book, which is the book of Acts, and which in effect is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. And then there are 21 epistles, of which 13 are attributed to Paul. And nine of those epistles are written to churches, while four of them are classified as pastoral or personal. That leaves us with what are known as seven general epistles. And the last book in the New Testament of the Bible and the Bible is the book of Revelation. Uh, which, as his title suggests, is a prophetic book. Mm -hmm. So in the Gospels then, uh, Matthew uh, was originally written uh, for a Jewish audience. Outstanding features of the Gospel are the parables of the Kingdom and the Sermon on the Mount, which includes the Beatitudes and other teachings of Christ. Matthew presents Christ as the new Moses, presenting it as, as a new law, the law of the heart and the law of love. Matthew is at pains to point out that Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy and re- regularly quotes from the Old Testament with reference to Jesus. Mark, then, is, um, is believed to be the first gospel written, John, and is written principally for the Roman world. Uh, his gospel is a gospel of action. Christ is always on the move, and mm. miracles and healings invariably are instantaneous. Uh, the, most, uh, the, the most repeated word in Mark's gospel is the word immediately. It appears over 40 times in the Gospel. And as well as that, then, it's very interesting that uh, on many occasions, uh, the disciples are presented as not understanding the message of Jesus at all, particularly in relation to his death. Luke is the longest Gospel and is directed especially towards the Greek world. He emphasizes the humanity of Christ and uh, the mercy and compassion of Jesus for everybody, individuals and crowds, Samaritans and Romans. Luke is famous for his infancy narrative, which contains the Magnificat and the benediction of Zacharias. We have also the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin and, of course, the prodigal son. Everyone would be aware of the story of the Good Samaritan and the disciples on the road to the Emmaus, who meet the risen Jesus. It's a beautifully written book. John presents Christ as the Son of God. His deity is a key theme throughout John states his objective very clearly in the Gospel, saying that that it is written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. I suppose well-known stories would be the story of Nicodemus, the visit of Nicodemus by night to Jesus, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well, the parable of the vine and the branches, the raising of Lazarus, and the washing of the disciples' feet. Its most famous line probably is uh, the words of Jesus that say, I and my Father are one. So the Gospels, the story of the Gospels, John, is continued in the in the book of Acts, uh, when Jesus um, has been resurrected and has ascended into heaven, and we read about the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and the founding of the first church in Jerusalem, which is composed mainly of Jewish Christians. We continue to read of persecutions in the church, the martyrdom of Stephen, the scattering of the church in Jerusalem, and the conversion and missionary journeys of St. Paul. The result is the spread of Christianity and the founding of the Christian churches across the Roman Empire, all the way to Rome itself and beyond, churches which are inclusive of both Jew and Gentile. Paul, I suppose, is the dominant figure of the book, but the power of the Holy Spirit is always emphasised in the spreading of the gospel and the churches. And so we come to the epistles. Uh, as I said at the beginning, there are 21 epistles, of which 13 are attributed to Paul. The epistles reflect the difficulties faced by the Christians in the Roman world as they try to live their life in accordance with the gospel message preached by the apostles and by Paul. Often uh, they experience a sense of alienation, living and working in a world that was at odds with their professional faith, And they suffered much persecution and abuse at the hands of the wealthy, the powerful, and especially in their places of work. In general, the epistles, there is a call to trust God to provide for them and to work in order to be able to help others who are in need. Paul writes to address the meaning and application of the truth of the gospel for Christian living and community. His epistles seek to answer questions sent to him by the churches and give an interpretation of the person and the ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul places huge emphasis on Jesus and on the gospel message of salvation, forgiveness, mercy and the union of believers with Christ and with one another as members of Christ's body. So just then John, the first uh, just to talk about the Pauline epistles if I can call them that Mm -hmm. Um, the epistle to the Romans is obviously written to the church in Rome and I suppose the central truths of Christianity are put forward in the book uh, about the gospel and about Jesus Christ there's particular emphasis on the doctrine of justification by faith chapter 6-8 to to should be on everybody's reading list as it describes the work of the Holy Spirit in us our position in Christ and it ends with the answer to his own question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Oh, beautiful. Yeah. It is a beautiful passage, Johnny. I, mm. It finishes by saying, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, yeah. nor angels, nor principalities or powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height or depth or any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that wonderful encouragement
0: for us all too, Mike, you know, to have... That available for to read when yeah,
1: to. absolutely John and not alone to read it but also to remember it yeah. you know that nothing shall separate us ever from the love of Christ mm. uh, the, the letters to the Corinthians there are two um, revolve around answers to the queries received by Paul concerning Christian conduct and errors in the church at Corinth uh, he confirms their and sorry their faith in Jesus Christ and vindicates his own authority against those who were trying to actually undermine him there is a marvellous doctrine on the resurrection from the dead, on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the famous chapter 13 on the subject of love, which again we know a lot of John. Love suffers long and is kind. Mm-hmm. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And now abide faith, hope, and love; these three, but the greatest of these is love. Mm-hmm. The letter, the theme of the letters to the Galatians, is salvation by grace uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, and not by the works of the law. Paul defends the freedom of the believers from the legalism preached by the Jews, who spoke against Paul, and demanded that Christians should also follow, should not follow some of the Jews of um, the old laws of Judaism. Mm-hmm. Paul in no uncertain terms refutes the gospel of works and the ceremonial practices of uh, earlier Judaism and urges the Galatians church to continue in the law of grace and liberty and sanctification by the Holy Spirit. I suppose its most famous lines are his own confession of faith when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Mm -hmm. And the life which I now live, I live by faith, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I suppose, John, we could say that that's the gospel in one verse. The letter to the Ephesians is one of four epistles referred to as the prison epistles, the others being Philippians, Colossians and Philemon, written when Paul was in prison. There are three key themes in in this epistle. The Christian position through grace, Mm. the truths concerning the church as the body of Christ, and the demands placed on us then as members of that body. Paul urges that we should be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us. The Philippians is one of my own favorite epistles. Uh, it's, its major theme is Christian kindness in all things and the putting on of the mind of Christ. Yeah. Paul urges all of us to live in the unity and joy that we have in Christ. And I suppose it's well known for its references to the mind of Christ and to the Philippian hymn, uh, which says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah, some some beautiful, beautiful quotations from the from the Gospels. If we can hear them every now and again. Thanks for reminding us again. Indeed, and uh, you know, like the, there's a beautiful verse: "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." John, my my, wife's favorite one. Yeah, I believe so. Mm. <laughs> Uh, the Epistle to the Colossians then, uh, Paul confirms the preeminence of Christ in all things and speaks of our sufficiency in Christ alone. For in him, he says, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him. Christ is presented as the creator and sustainer of all things, as head of the church, as the redeemer of the universe. The letters to the Thessalonians, uh, Paul writes to thank the church for their great faith and to encourage them in the trials and persecutions that they were suffering, and to give them teachings about the faith of Christians who had already died, as there was a great expectation that Christ would be returning. He encourages them and us to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The overall theme of the pastoral letters Uh, is firstly for individual believers to fight the good fight, to keep the Mm faith, as he says to Timothy, as Paul has also shown in his own life. And secondly, to advise the church members and leaders how they should behave and conduct themselves in the church. In a sense, these letters are Paul's final farewell and counsel to his fellow workers and beloved friends. There is an obvious indication of how the churches had grown in terms of self-governance, on the demands and qualifications required of its leaders, and on the importance of sound doctrine within the churches. The letters to Timothy outline the church order especially, and the roles and qualities necessary for the church leaders. The holding of the truth, the preaching of the word, and the keeping of the faith, as learned from scriptures, are all encouraged. Titus uh, is again concerned with church order, uh, and the pastoral work of ministers towards different age groups within the church. The key theme is to show that the grace of God has appeared in the saving life of Christ and we should be a people of good works in keeping with the word and doctrine of God. <coughs> Excuse me. The primary purpose of the letter to Philemon was an appeal by Paul For the forgiveness of Onesimus and to accept him back as a beloved brother. Onesimus was a converted slave who had run away from his former master Philemon, who has now also converted to Christ. The overall theme of the letter to the Hebrews is the surpassing greatness and superiority of Christ when compared to the Old Testament uh, types, such as the priesthood, the tabernacle and the various sacrifices. Christ in every instance is described as the better, the perfect, or the heavenly. The letter to the Hebrews also contains a fantastic chapter on faith and the faith heroes of the Bible, if we might call them, uh, who work through faith, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by Mm. faith Sarah, Mm. and so on, all the way down on the line. Now, the general, or sometimes referred to as the non-Pauline epistles, um, are seen as ethical uh, in the sense that they call believers to conduct befitting their faith in Christ. Jude and Second Peter warn believers against the presence of false teachers and call on Christians to be strong in and to contend for the faith. Uh, the epistles of John may be seen, in, to a large extent, uh, along with the letter to the Hebrews, as Christological, and they portray Christ as God's final revelation and the fulfilment of the Old Testament covenant. Christians are called on to abide in Christ, to love as Christ loved, to live in Christ and Spirit, and not to try to go beyond the truth of the Gospel. The Epistle James is a letter about practical Christian living and argues that faith without works is dead. James encourages prayer, especially prayer for the sick. Mm-hmm. And he urges his readers to seek the wisdom that is from above, which he says is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. The letters of the Apostle Peter's, and there are two, again reflects on the Christian life and virtues, and especially on suffering and the need to follow the example of Christ. Life should be lived in light of the second coming of Christ, and Peter denounces false teachers and errant doctrine. The epistles of John portray the great theme of God as love, and our need to live in that Christian love, the love seen in the life of Christ. He urges us to maintain the fellowship we share with Christ, and the Father, and with one another. The epistles do contain warnings against heresies and false teaching and urges us to walk in truth and in love. Beloved, he says, Let us love one another, for love is of God. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And we love him because he first loved us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. The final epistle is the epistle of Jude. And this again warns against those who would deceive us in the faith. And uh, he urges us to stand firm, to contend for our faith. And that brings us then, John, to the final book of both the Bible and the New Testament, Mm -hmm. which is the book of Revelation, or as some people would have known it before, the book of the Apocalypse, Mm -hmm. The name itself, uh, a revelation or apocalypse, uh, means a disclosure or an unveiling. So there are prophetic words on the future of the church and the end times. This is where we read of Armageddon, of final conflicts and judgments, of the supper of the Lamb, of a new heaven and a new earth. The stated purpose of Revelation is to reveal Jesus Christ, his person, his power, his plan for the future. And so we read of him as the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lamb, the Lion of the Tribe of Juba, sorry, the tribe of Judah and the root of David. Central to the book is the revelation of the existence of the power, sovereignty, goodness and justice in God and in Jesus Christ. And that's about that. what brings us to the end and through it all there, John.
0: And Michael, thank you so much for that. Uh, first of all, um, to be able to Uh, unveil, I think is the word you used just a few seconds ago to unveil the books of the New Testament to us there in the time that you were allowed was brilliant thank you so much, I know you wanted much more time I I suppose uh, for myself it's it's sort of uh, kind of summing up in that the Gospels were about the life and the message that Jesus was going to bring us while he was here on earth the letters then, just just to rephrase it again, the letters again, the apostles, I suppose, and all the letters to the Galatians and the Corinthians, were there by Paul and the, and the other apostles to teach the people, to remind the people and to encourage the people, who were the early Christians, to stay with it. But they're also for us. Mm-hmm. Would that be correct?
1: <coughs> oh, absolutely, John. The, the message doesn't change, you know. No uh it says in the letter of G- of the hebrews that uh, jesus is the same yesterday today and forever yeah. and so the message about jesus christ like can you just imagine being alive at the time and you have this person jesus christ doing what he is doing and mm-hmm. uh you know mm-hmm. uh sharing the word of god his father uh with the people and then suddenly they find him crucified mm. and lo and behold resurrected Mm. How, how can you deal with all of that mm. uh, you know in the reality of that and uh, from from that comes the, the you know the beginning of the churches and the descent of the holy spirit and this is the line that continues today for us and we are just part we are as much part of that as what we read about in the bible
0: and some people don't always accept that some people kind of think sometimes that was for them 2000 years ago but I think you used a phrase uh, people often use a phrase: "The Word of God is alive and active." It does have a very important role to play in our lives, wouldn't that be right?
1: Oh, absolutely! Uh, like, <clears throat> okay, uh, they say there are two Bibles: mm-hmm. the the unwritten Bible of creation, mm-hmm. and you know, the beauty of everything around us would would attract us to you know what's behind all of that, you know, mm-hmm. and we we generally name that as God in our in our tradition uh, you know some people say ultimate mystery and all of that Mm -hmm. but it's the same Uh, like so I lost my point Uh, so for us yeah the word of God like so where do you find out about God and Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. yeah and the point is like that the scriptures are there they have been preserved for us you know by God's own grace and uh As we read it, the the work of the Spirit in our own heart and in our own heads, uh, you know, brings us into a closer relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, what is love, John, if we don't have relationship? Mm -hmm. Love is relationship and God is relationship with us. And this is what you read all through the Bible. uh, And, you know, the love of God is shining through all of the time.
0: And as you touched on there, you know, right the way from the word go, from the book of Genesis to creation, right the way through, through the last book of the Gospel, uh, of the Bible there, that God is connecting with us all the time. It's through the Psalms, mm-hmm. through Isaiah, yeah. through the Gospels. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh- well, that's what the word is, you know, yeah. the word is near to you and in your mouth and in your heart and so on. And uh, God communicates in ways we don't know at all. You know, if you go back to to um, Elijah, you know, there in the cave, you know, and he, it wasn't in the fire and it wasn't in the cloud and so on. It was in or the wind. It was in the still small voice. Yeah. And there's yeah. a, the, you know if God is God and if God who he who he says he is then God must be able to communicate with us Mm -hmm. in in many many different ways if we are open to receive I think you know and I think the spirit of God is always using his word because as you said it's alive Mm -hmm. and uh, you know it says it's sharper than any two edged sword it speaks to our heart Mm -hmm. and uh, it pulls us into that relationship with God you know because love is always a drawing power
0: yeah and as Catholics we're so lucky Uh, Fortunate um, to have during our Mass every Sunday and every day for those of us who who have the opportunity to go to Mass we have the readings from the Bible we have the first reading every Sunday and the second reading uh, taken from Paul to Corinthians Mm -hmm. or the Acts and the Gospel and there's always a link usually between the first reading and the Gospel so it, it would be good advice maybe for people to Maybe take a look at the leaflet that they get sometimes when they leave the church for the readings for the following week and do a little bit of preparation to get some little bit of context to it.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about having the newsletters now, John, you know, the people can actually, if they don't have a Bible themselves, that they at least have that word uh, for that particular Sunday and every Sunday of the year. Uh, and that's fantastic, you know, I, I'd encourage people to, to, you know, to purchase a Bible, uh, yeah. begin to read the Bible, you know, themselves, uh, and just give it time, you know, uh, because um, God speaks in his word, there's absolutely no doubt, and will speak to your heart as you read it. And sometimes
0: if somebody picks up the Bible, they can't just open it up on page one and start off. So mm. therefore, Michael, if somebody was was picking up a Bible, any sort of suggestion from Mike as to where they might want to start?
1: Well, the, the, well i I'll tell you, like for modern readers, I suppose, that, you know, the New Testament, the Gospels, Mm-mm. you know, is, is a good place to start. But uh, I'd never be, I'd never scare, I'd encourage people to buy a Bible and start. Well, you can get programs, you know, that, that would be mm-hmm. a daily ri- a mm-hmm. daily reading Bible guide. Uh, and different things are available now to people. And, and that's fantastic because... Uh, I, I, I don't like taking pieces out of, of the Bible. No. I think people should be encouraged to read the whole Bible because it's all one story, as we said at the beginning there today. Mm-hmm. You know that man, St. Augustine of, of Hippo, like he he said that the new is in the old concealed yeah. and the old is in the new revealed. And as you become familiar with the Bible, you you will see exactly the truth of that statement. So as I said there, I remember... Uh, that the Old Testament points forward to Jesus with the new points back to the work of Christ and also to the continuing work of the Holy Spirit in our mm-hmm. lives today. So start small, start big, but start. start. Uh,
0: and don't be afraid. I, I mean, oh, no. you know, the, there's loads of resources out there too. There are, uh, there
1: are yeah. Do you know, John, that you said don't be afraid. Do you know that mm-hmm. the word fear not, yeah. in other words, do not be afraid, appears 365 times in the Bible. Once for every day of the year. Do not be afraid. So
0: What a way to finish up the programme. And just before we just before we finish, Michael, um I did mention there at the start of the programme that you might come back again sometime. Um to share with us maybe in a little bit more detail uh some of the books of the Bible. Because I know um when I first of all asked you to you know, to come and share with us, you said, that's not possible to go through the books <laughs> of the Bible in one programme. Thank you for so much for the effort, and I know you've you sort put in an awful lot of work in the last few months in preparing for this programme. We thank the Lord for people like yourself to come and share the gifts that you've been giving with us. But you might come back at some stage and maybe share the ad book here and the ad book there on whether that be Isaiah in the Old Testament or whether the book of Corinthians or John or whatever in the New Testament.
1: John, I'd be absolutely delighted to come back any time to work on any particular book that you'd like. Beautiful.
0: So again, my thanks to Michael for sharing with us um, the books of the Bible there. Uh, Thanks for all the work he's put in over the last number of months. And at this stage, we'll go for a piece of music to finish off the programme. And this one is entitled The Word of God Speaks, and this is by Mercy Me. So let's hear this.
2: I'm finding myself at a loss for words, and the funny thing is, it's so. A- The last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear what you would say.